Hi everyone, it's Mark and Annette with Trail Angels powered by Karen the Load. And uh, here we are today in our uh, second uh, installment of our uh, Finding uh, Strength Through Emotional Resilience course. You know, it's been a fun uh, week as we have focused on building emotional resilience. And a lot of our posts have been centered around this. And it's been great to hear from you. And it's been great to apply some of these um, patterns and these thoughts throughout the week. You know, we live in a really different time, don't we? It's It's been so interesting to talk to many of our guests that we've had on our regular podcasts who have talked about emotional resilience and uh, some of the struggles that they've seen professionally as well as personally. And we, we'd have to say that uh, we've seen the same as well. We have. And this is a time that I, I have no qualms about saying we need emotional resilience and we need to find that ability within us to, to build it and strengthen it and to help us throughout these interesting times. You know, it used to be that there was times when we thought only others needed help. <laughs> you know, we all need help at different times and at different uh, situations in our lives. And it's something that we wanted to share with you with this 10-week, you know, we, we, we talked about the, the, the right word. We, we talked last week about a course. We talked about lessons. Uh, we're we're going to go into our second lesson today. And just as a reminder, if you've forgotten, we have talked about uh, 10 different lessons that we're going to be doing consecutively each week over the next now nine weeks. Last week, we talked about uh, building emotional resilience and why that was important in one's life. Today, we're going to be talking about healthy thinking patterns. We'll get into that in just a second. We also will be talking about uh, our bodies and emotions, managing stress and anxiety, understanding sadness and depression, overcoming anger, managing addictive behaviors, building healthy relationships, providing strength to others. And then we'll finish our 10-week class with moving forward with, with faith, because we all need faith in something, in a higher being, faith in ourselves, faith in our abilities. And this is what this course and these lessons is really meant to do. It is. And, and again, just as a reminder, we each do need a higher power and we need to, um, that source of strength that, that comes from that. And so if we use terminology that might not be familiar or resonate with you, just switch that terminology to what does resonate and ring true to you. So as we mentioned last week, we encourage you to grab a notebook and a pen, find a peaceful place where for the next maybe 45 minutes to an hour or so, you can just sit, relax, and just contemplate what we're talking about. You know, today we're going to be talking about healthy thinking patterns. And, and that when we think when we talk about healthy thinking patterns, what are your thoughts? Well, so much of this comes down to my identity and my purpose. And I, I believe that I'm not unusual in the fact that sometimes, you know, I've I've wondered what is my purpose? And I think that maybe we all have that, oh, yeah. that feeling at times of, of wondering what our purpose is and wondering what, you know, where do we come from? You know, all of those things. And, and for me, 
you know, those are the times that there is a lot of reflection and, and understanding. And when I have a grasp of, of my identity and my purpose, it seems as if my, my thinking patterns are much more healthy. And that's what this lesson is all about. And we encourage you throughout the lesson to put the uh, podcast on pause and reflect. And uh, we encouraged you last week to, to find that notebook and to, uh, to put thoughts in the notebook that will help you throughout the week as you consider what you can do to improve your own healthy thinking patterns. And another thought here, too, is if there is a segment in this episode or in any of the episodes that you want to um, to reflect upon even more or, or do some personal study or journaling about it, you know, when you put that on pause, you can come back the next day. You can come back, you know, later on that evening. It's not just this short amount of time. So do what feels right for you. Great point. And, you know, as we get into our lesson today, there are some foundational principles that are very important when we talk about healthy thinking patterns. You know, we talk about our thoughts and how they influence our emotions. And it just mentioned that. We talk about uh, the fact that recognizing inaccurate thinking patterns can really be detrimental to our self-worth. We're going to learn today about responding to triggers. We've mm -hmm. talked a lot about triggers in our uh, podcasts over the last couple of years. I have triggers, and I bet you do too. We, we all do. We're going to talk about creating more accurate thinking patterns and, and then really kind of finish up talking about how changing our thinking patterns might take a little bit of time, but uh, with some effort, uh, we, we can certainly see the progress that we're making. So you mean we have to practice something? Oh, don't you hate that? <laughs> yes, we do have to practice. So, Annette, we, we had some uh, suggestions as to where we ended last week. Well, last week we talked about having an action partner. And that, that was where we, we ended. And it's always good to reflect back and um, to evaluate how things went during the week. So, Mark, how did they go? Well, we talked about building emotional resilience, mm -hmm. and uh, we, we talked actually about it a number of times throughout the week, you and I. You were my action partner. And you were mine. How about that? You know, we, we talked about uh, gratitude, some of the things that we were grateful for. We were talking yesterday. I went up to the mountains and went for a little hike, talked about how grateful I was for the mountains and how much I'd missed it because of the wintertime. And it's it was interesting to me as we were focused on building resilience, how so many of my thoughts centered around that. And especially how things that we shared on our social media accounts surrounded that building resilience. And, and I think that's pretty um, common that as we focus, and this kind of ties into this healthy thinking pattern, but what we focus on really comes up more often. And so as we focused on, you know, building emotional resilience, then thoughts of emotional resilience and how to build that and, and gratitude and other things for me kept coming to the surface. And 
and I think it's interesting because if, if we were focused on something else, I think that would, would also be what comes to the surface and, and percolates to the surface, which brings me to this healthy thinking pattern and how, depending upon what we're focused on, that seems to be what surfaces. Yeah, and so it's about accept, accepting challenges. It's part of uh, trying to find the blessings that come from change. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we, we talked about that this week. And and uh, you know, part of what we're what we're focusing on today is recognize our true value and our true identity, because I think that there are times that each of us struggle with that. You know, we don't have to go very far to remember some of the fairy tales, and this is really isn't a fairy tale, but a story that we learned when we were young. But it paints a beautiful picture. So we're going to share with you. Do you remember the? Uh, the experience of the ugly duckling by Hans Christian Andersen. You remember that uh, the mother duck discovers that one of her newly hatched chicks uh, was unusually large and, and really ugly. Now, first of all, what kind of a mother would say that about one of her children? Uh, but the other ducklings uh, couldn't leave the ugly child alone, and they punished him mercifully. They were bullies. They were bullies. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Well. If you remember the story, the ugly duckling decides it would be better for everyone if he left his family and if he ran away. And so he did. And so one day he sees overhead a flock of incredibly majestic birds. He takes flight and he follows them to a beautiful lake. And uh, the ugly duckling looks into the water and sees a reflection of an incredible, magnificent swan. You remember that story, Annette? I do. And the ugly duckling realizes that the reflection that he sees in the water is his own and he's discovered who he truly is it's you know how often do we look in the mirror and we don't see who we really are because that 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 ugly duckling i'm sure saw his reflection before but he didn't recognize who he truly was until this point. Yeah, and sometimes we don't understand what our true value is. And as we told you last week, a lot of what we're going to be sharing with you over the next nine weeks is 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 very Christian related or very very God centered in the fact that uh, we are going to refer to a higher power. And I know that many of us that are listening have different ideas of what a higher power looks like, but when that Swan looked into the water. He recognized that uh, he truly was a magnificent thing. And, you know, we were, we're here to tell you as well that you are each sons and daughters of a loving God. Uh, you know, the most glorious being in the universe. He loves you with an infinite love and he wants the best for you. And, now, this, this knowledge changes everything. It changes your present. It can change your future. And it, it certainly can change things with the world and, and more specifically within your own home. It's if, Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just keep thinking about this knowledge and this understanding and what a difference it can make personally when we come to understand this. So... 
If only we understood who we were and what was in store for us, I think our hearts would overflow with, you know, such gratitude and, and happiness we talked about last week and really lighten even those darkest days that we have in our lives. Now, here's the reality, though. There's always going to be voices telling us that we're foolish to believe that that uh, you're a swan, you know, like in this story here, uh, insisting you insisting that maybe you're an ugly duckling and you can't expect to become anything else. But, but you know, you know better. And you need to know that you're no ordinary being. You are glorious. And, and uh, you, while we might not be perfect, we're striving for what's best. You know, you talk about voices. And those voices are often voices within within our own head, those thinking patterns. So, you know, let's look, we're going to come back to this over and over and over again. Yes, there, there are bullies out there that tease us and say harmful things that aren't true and they tear us down. But I think the biggest um, bully can be found within our own our own thoughts. Oh, we beat up ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we can be our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of other enemies out there in the world, though, those that uh, are trying to to better, better themselves by putting other people down. And we see that all the time. And, uh, you know, just just recognize and and look in the mirror, just like the ugly duckling looked in the lake and recognize, you know, that you truly are a wonderful thing. So, Annette, what can we learn from the ugly duckling? That we're all unique. That we're all, um, we have majestic qualities that lie within. Um, You know, it's, it's. When I, I think about this ugly duckling and and how different he, you know he was from the siblings, right? Mm-hmm. And and each of us in our unique qualities, there's no one like us. And you know, I I it, it's it's something that. I've often thought about, you know, I have two sisters. They're both blonde. I'm not. They're small. I'm not. You know, there's so many differences in us, but yet there's similarities as well. And it doesn't make me any less than because I don't have blonde hair. Or that my size is different from them, but they're unique in their own personal ways, as, and so am I. And so I think it it comes to finding and claiming that that beauty and that magnificence that lies within in our uniqueness. So would it be fair to say that the intent and purpose of life is to really find an opportunity for each of us to uh, really find our fullest potential? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, coming down to that purpose and what is our purpose? And it really does come through self-reflection 
and and understanding some key key points. And I think the first thing is our identity and our potential. You know, and I would say that uh, the second is uh, understanding the difference between our worth and our worthiness. Oh. You know, each of us have a worth. That never changes. No. Uh, it, it can be enhanced, but our worth never changes. Sometimes we, we talk about worthiness uh, and we say, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy of uh, the love that this person could give me, or I'm not uh, worthy of uh, a great job or, or, to, or to live in to wonderful circumstances. We, we put ourselves down, again, like you were saying earlier, Annette, and our worthiness can sometimes really take a toll. And I think that we we confuse that worthiness with worth. And, and when we've been talking about identity and purpose, um, for me, that comes through God as well. And, and the love I feel from heavenly parents that help me to understand my worth. So let's talk about that for a second, Annette. You talk about heavenly parents, uh, a heavenly father, for example, a heavenly mother. Uh, why is it important that we see ourselves as they see us? Well, I... It's, a, bring, it's, a, tough it's a tough question, but I'm going to bring it down a, another level and how I see our children. And, and I want nothing but the best for them. I see their potential. I see the, the joy, the happiness. I see the gifts they've been given, their talents. They might not see it in themselves, but I see it in them. And so my encouragement, my love, my, my concerns for them, it all goes back to helping and wanting to help them to see who they are. So then if I take that on personally and to heavenly parents, to, to heavenly father and heavenly mother, I really believe they want me to be able to recognize and see me through their eyes. So, you know, Annette, when we were, <clears throat> when we were going through this, uh, this lesson this week and putting together some thoughts, I thought of, of just what you just said about my role as a uh, earthly father. And I, I know that you did the same as, as an earthly mother. And one of the struggles that perhaps we have in life is distinguishing between worth and worthiness, especially as we're talking to our children. Sometimes our children can get the blunt of uh, the worth thing. You know, you worthless little, you know, I can't believe that you did that. That's where we have to be careful as parents, as grandparents, as, as, as neighbors, even that we, we, we help them to recognize that they have worth, even though they may have done something that might not have been right. Right. And I think that's also, it comes back to this healthy thinking pattern, because somehow we correlate their actions with our personal worth as well. Mm. And it has nothing to do with that. Well, and if it did, we wouldn't be having that conversation, would we? Because we no. find ourselves guilty of those same things. So, so let, let's just talk for a minute. Uh, you know, we we might find ourselves focusing on thoughts 
on, on what's wrong or negative. And inaccurate thinking patterns might lead us to see the worst possible outcome of a situation. And, and really, these distorted thoughts cause us to feel bad about ourselves and others. And, uh, you know, we, we've all experienced negative thoughts, but sometimes we get stuck in them and we don't see the accurate thinking pattern and how it's hurting our emotional health. And so let's let's talk for a minute about, uh, you know, common inaccuracies with regards to thinking patterns. Before we go to those yeah. common inaccuracies, there's a scripture in Proverbs. Oh, I love the scripture. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there were times in my life that I thought, boy, you're stupid. Boy, you're, you know, and I always put myself down. And somehow those thoughts, it it had a reflection on the outside because of, of my self-esteem. But as I learned principles, as I came to understand my worth or my identity and my purpose, that actually it changed on the outside too. Yeah, your internal thoughts affected your external behaviors. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we find a lot, uh, you know, especially in psychology, when, when you uh, berate someone enough, they're going to begin to think that that's who they are. So and those insecurities went away. Yeah, exactly. I- exactly. So when we think about uh, some of the thinking patterns that might be inaccurate, let, let's talk about uh, some of those. Uh, you know, can you think of any, Annette? Well, all or nothing things. Mm. You know, it was so, like, I'm always wrong, or I always say the wrong thing. Well, no, I don't. And no, I didn't. But, you know, those those couple of times or however many times I may have put my foot in my mouth or, you know, said something that wasn't quite the right way to say it didn't mean I always said that. But that's how I thought. And, and I think a lot of us think that way as well. How about uh, mislabeling? What if we were to what if we were to say that the relationship that we were in ended? So obviously, I'm I'm no good. Yeah, I'm no good. You know, think about all the relationships that you have that aren't good, and recognize the fact that uh, yeah, maybe something went wrong, but it's not because you're a bad person. Or what about jumping to conclusions? Oh, that was. That was something that everybody's laughing at me. Everybody's <laughs> laughing at me. I can't show my face anymore because they think this and that. Well, they don't. But that again goes to that distorted thinking pattern or these overgeneralizations. And, you know, I did poorly on this. And so why I, I just, I better just get out of that class because I'm never going to. Do well in this class. Well, I think we've all felt that way before. How about uh, trying to reason with our emotions? You know, judging a situation based on on how you feel. You know, you know. In other words, oh man, I, I really feel guilty. I, I must have done something really, really bad. And and maybe it wasn't so bad. But the fact that uh, we we try to reason with our own logic sometimes can really hurt us. Oh, it, it, it can, and it, you know, this, 
even when we have, you know, situations, somehow this overgeneralization or this emotional uh, reasoning, it, it twists and it contorts and it's never quite, quite right. How about uh, having a negative mental filter? Have you ever uh, focused on a negative detail and then just dwell on it and dwell on it? I mean, we, we see this at the end of the day sometimes. What if you had a bad day at work? That's the only thing that goes through my mind. You know, that that one thing that may have not gone well, that's the only thing that replays over and over, even though there were all these other things that, that were successes in the day. I don't remember those. I remember the one thing. Yeah. That yeah. Failed. No, I, I, I'm with you. And, and along with that, I think that we discount the positive very often. Maybe maybe we reject all the positive experiences because we didn't feel like they counted. And maybe the other was more, it was, it was easy because we were in, maybe we were in a hurry. Maybe we were sick. Maybe we just didn't feel well. Maybe we were tired and everything takes on a negative connotation. So why, Mark, do you think that sometimes we think these ways? I mean, that's a really good question. And I think a lot of it is because we're conditioned. Mm. You know, I think that uh, we're conditioned from both outside as well as from inside. The outside influences that are affecting us can sometimes be very debilitating. I mean, I let, let me give you an example. I, I remember I was in a situation at work one time and I got a brand new boss. And uh, before I got that brand new boss, everything I did was perfect. It was great. And I got all these accolades and did, Mark, you did everything great. We really appreciate your help. We wouldn't have been able to do it without you. You were the shining star. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> you know, being that shiny star, that shine began to lose its luster pretty quick with the new boss who. It's pretty dull. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll tell you what, I couldn't do anything right. No. You know, and it was because that particular boss had a specific standard that was different than mine when it came to trying to get something done, not realizing that it was okay that someone else did it different than the way that they would do it. Right. And, but what that, that did and your thinking and, and how you thought, you know, all of a sudden things shifted for you. That was a dark time, wasn't it? It was a dark time and it, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And and I, I, you know, it was just, it was so interesting how quickly things shifted. And suddenly I began thinking myself, well, I'm not very good at this. What was I ever thinking? Why would I get into this profession? I'm not very good. I have, I remember you saying a time or two, what if I don't have any value anymore? And, and that's scary because your worth, so that value took you back to your worth, right? Had, and it really had nothing to do with your worth. And you were valuable, but because of this situation, you started to think different ways. And, and maybe that, that thinking pattern just shifted just a little bit. And, and, you know, that is a great lead in to what we want to talk about next with, with, with regards to triggers. This is something you love to talk about. Uh, I, you know, for so long, I didn't understand triggers. 
I didn't understand why I could be, you know, going, going along and feeling great and something would happen. And I never, it took me years to recognize that there was a pattern in these triggers and I, it was just like on a dime. So, so let's talk just for a second about what a trigger is. And then what is a trigger? So a trigger is something that causes an automatic reaction in your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Triggers may include things you see, think, feel, and experience. They can be impacted by your mood, the time of day, energy level, relationships, places, events, or, situ or other situations. When your automatic reaction to a trigger is inappropriate, you can learn better ways to respond. So this is a big one, especially when it comes to relationships, right? Oh, it's huge. And there were times that, well, let, let's, just, let's just use this example. And it took me years to understand this. And Mark was always just trying to help me out. But he would, all of a sudden I'd hear the vacuum. Or <laughs> I could hear, you know, him puttering around in the kitchen and he's unloading the dishwasher or he's cleaning the counters or he's polishing the furniture. And for me, I, it triggered something inside and you're going to think I'm crazy, but it triggered and that you're not good enough and that you're not doing a good enough job. The house isn't clean enough. Okay. Understand something. We've been married for 37 plus years and uh, while we don't prescribe to the uh, idea of traditional men and women have certain duties to do, you know, this our, our life is not Ozzie and Harriet. It's not uh, uh, June and Ward Cleaver, you know, where I come home at the end of the day from work. I don't bring in your slippers in the newspaper. And... Well, and, <laughs> and you don't wear pearls all day, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. Sometimes we set for ourselves specific standards that are unhealthy kind of going back to having these unhealthy thinking patterns. Exactly. And so in your mind, and it took me forever to realize, one, that was a distressor for you. I mean, come on, ladies. How many of you would just love to have a husband whose distressor was cleaning the house? Without judgment. Without <laughs> judgment. But there was this trigger inside me. And since I have understood that I had this trigger, you know how much I appreciate all of his help? Because I don't have this distorted thinking pattern. It's amazing. You know, I want to share, I was talking with a friend and, and she shared this experience about a trigger. And she, when she was 10, she was writing, um, a three-wheeler, like an eight, how would you describe an it? ATV. An ATV. And, and they crashed. She had a friend on there with her. And, and there were bumps and bruises and scrapes, and she got this puncture wound on her calf, and it's left a scar. And she talked about how whenever she feels that scar, you know, she might reach down and just, you know, just, rubber leg or something. And whenever she feels that scar, how it takes her back immediately to that day, that time, the smells, everything. 
that's a trigger. And so, you know, just all these just interesting thoughts and I'm losing my necklace. It came undone. But anyway, it's just something that understanding these triggers, you know, I had another friend who shared with us when we were talking about triggers and how she prepared in her mind for every possible scenario. If this happened, then I would do this. If this happened, I would do this. She goes, I have PTSD for the what ifs. And she realized she was triggering herself with these distorted thoughts that never happened. And so she had to learn why she was thinking this way, correct that thinking pattern and practice those thought patterns and how much happier and more content she is because she doesn't go through all these scenarios. So at this point, I would encourage you to maybe pause mm -hmm. and just uh, reflect with your notebook and, and uh, pen some of the triggers that you might have in life. You know, I'll tell you one that's not nearly what you just said, but when I was a little kid, probably about 10 years old, I had the worst case of vertigo I'd ever had after eating some butterscotch pudding. To this day, I cannot eat butterscotch pudding because it reminds me of that uh, situation. That, to me, is a trigger. I've never so, heard that, but it is. And and so we, we all have different kinds of triggers. They might be emotional triggers. They might be foods. They might be smells. They might be going to places that uh, gave us a bad thought or had bad memories as, as a child growing up. But consider for a moment what your triggers are. And then write down as well whether those triggers are accurate in your thinking behaviors, whether you continue. Now, there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being cautious. And we should all be cautious, especially if we have triggers around certain people and around certain situations that we had that were less unpleasant. And those triggers, once understood, really will help explain a lot of things and feelings and emotions in your life. And boundaries are good. So take a moment and just reflect. Okay, hopefully you've had a chance to reflect on some of your triggers and the emotional response that you've had with those triggers. So, so let's just, you know, this is another little activity here. So we've talked about, we've defined what triggers are and how and when you might experience them. So we want you to answer the following questions. Now just, you know, think about them and, and put them down. So we're gonna, you know, pause this Actually, we're just going to let it go for just, you know, just give yourself 30 seconds or so and you can pause. But here is a list of, of a few triggers that occur repeatedly in your life. What moods do I struggle with the most? Hmm. This is a hard one because I have triggers that take me from very peaceful or confident mood to very contemplative. I pull in, I 
I, I'm not as open. You know, I think that I'm more cautious. And that's a, that's a trigger I struggle with. Do you think that a trigger could potentially be, for example, bad dreams? Oh, for sure. For me, they, they really are. If we have bad dreams, we wake up and uh, we have to ask ourselves what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. And, and even like today, you asked me, are you having a bad day? Because you could see it in, in my eyes and just how I was, I was responding this morning and it was definitely a trigger from a dream. And, and we're learning from those. Those are things that for me, but as I write those down and I journal and do things that those are, those help me to understand. You know, don't be afraid to question someone's mood. You know, if, if there's something that seems off, you know, ask, you know, what's, what's going on today? You know, are you okay? And, and you'll be surprised sometimes the response that you might get back. It might be a response of, no, everything's just fine. And you may never know what's going on, but you know that something's off. Or you might feel this person's frustration when they tell you that uh, they had a really bad experience at work. Or maybe they, they had an argument with a spouse or, or, or someone close to them. The idea of being able to determine when maybe something might be wrong makes you a great confidant and a great friend. That safety and and support is a is a huge thing to have. You know, another thing that you need to think about as you're defining triggers and and the different experiences you've had is one of the following questions is are there days of the week or time of day that is hardest? And and that's that's an interesting um thing to reflect upon. Have you noticed anything, Mark, that that's, do you have any triggers like that? Sometimes towards the end of the day, I'll have great intentions of getting something done that I really needed to get done. And because of one thing, maybe traffic was bad. Uh, Just recently, going back to the office after a couple of years of being home because of COVID, I'm realizing that, uh, wow, you know, I don't have a lot of patience sometimes for drivers. And that's smiling because she knows that's true. And, and so coming home, I might, uh, I might be in traffic and it just might, uh, it's all I can handle right now. And I get home and I'm totally nonproductive for the rest of the night. But it's interesting. I mean, that's a great, a great thing to understand on that trigger. You know, the, the, another question is, what types of people are difficult for me to be around? You know, I think that that's a question that uh, we have to ask ourselves constantly. Because, you know, if we're, if we're going to change, sometimes we need to change the people that we associate with. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if they're associated with uh, bad habits. Maybe you've got a friend that uh, likes to go out and uh, get drunk with. Maybe you've got a friend that uh, likes to do things that aren't necessarily part of your value system. But you do it anyway because of that companionship. So at the same time, you recognize that sometimes people that you're around don't bring out the best in you. And it's okay to change friends. 
it's okay to change habits. I mean, it's not like you can't be their friend, but you don't have to continually go out with that same individuals. But as we learn and understand these triggers, it will help us. Um, there, you know, what situations or events are most difficult for you or for me? And that is something that as I've gone through this exercise, it is very clear to me the things that are difficult. And it doesn't mean that I never do those things again. I pick and choose. I think that a common one there, Annette, is uh, how we do in social settings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember uh, taking a, uh, a personality assessment one time to determine whether I'd be a good salesperson many, many years ago. And the question was, what would you rather do? Would you rather go home and uh, put your slippers on and watch a movie or would you rather go out and uh, and meet new people? Well, sometimes the answer is going to be different. But for for me, sometimes, you know, especially if we're insecure, and, and I, I feel like maybe there was a time in my life where I was a little bit uh, insecure, where I really didn't want to go find myself in social settings. What if I said something wrong? What if I didn't understand something the right way and responded incorrectly? I mean, we get those ideas in our heads that maybe I don't want to uh, go out and uh, be that social person because maybe my value isn't what I perceive it to be with others. I appreciate that example because that's real for many of us. So, you know, now as we have, we need to kind of get moving on, or this is going to be a really long episode, but as we write down these specific triggers and what they do to us, it's time to start acknowledging, not acknowledging, but also writing down and being able to pay particular attention to how, how that trigger made you feel. So let's, let's start out with a a particular trigger. Let's let's use the last one I just shared. Okay. About social settings and going to a party, maybe where you didn't know anybody. Okay. So, Maybe the first question you'd ask yourself is, how do I feel because of that trigger? You know, it's interesting that you use that because I, I, you know, I struggled going to sometimes going to your company parties because I don't know the individuals that are there. And, and it's interesting to look at, um, as I've thought back and how did I feel and what did I do? How did you feel, Annette? Oh, I was so stressed out. What if, am I going to wear the right thing? I don't have the right outfit to wear. So you're feeling like you might be judged. I'll be judged. What if this, what if, you know, I don't, I don't drink, you know, that's, that's something that, that I don't do. And how will I react in this setting when everybody else there, you know, has, has a drink and they're very comfortable and it's all, you know, I don't have that. How do I do? I didn't know how to navigate the different situation. So maybe you might even be pressured to be someone that you might not want to be. Yes. And 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 it was interesting to see how those feelings I had because of that trigger, also how I reacted. So let's talk about that because this is an important part of this lesson about how we react. And I can guarantee you that when I mention this one way that we react sometimes, you will say, oh yeah, I, I'm guilty of that myself. And that is, 
browsing the phone. You know, we, we have these little electronic devices that we take everywhere with us. And if we get uncomfortable or if we're suddenly in a situation where we might not feel like our contribution is needed, what do we do? We instinctively pull out the phone, check our Facebook, chase our look at our Instagram. We, we might look at the news to see what's new. And all of a sudden, we completely tune out. Well, there's no eye contact. And so it kind of becomes a safety mechanism. And I think for a lot of us to avoid conversation or situations. or situations, but I think it's interesting when we really pull back a little bit and we think about this, I bet you others in that situation are feeling exactly how I did. Oh, I, I'm sure they are. And in fact, you know, as you're sharing that, you know, I would feel the same way if I was with a bunch of your friends and I really didn't have anything to contribute to because I can't really share a story that might be applicable. So it's it's analyzing how we feel, how we react, and then how you respond. How we respond. And and you know, maybe as we just twist, not twist, but change that thinking pattern. As we as we go through this process and we can see what we do, then we can, you know, figure out a plan to help us the next time. So so we could go on and on with, with different triggers and responses, but remember the important uh, part of that. What is the trigger? How did you feel because of the trigger? How did you react? And maybe next time, how can you better respond? Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's so many wonderful things that can be, uh, that we can benefit from as we go through these activities, just by being aware of those triggers and the response. So, so let's talk about uh, creating more accurate thinking patterns and why that's important. And you know, as we've talked, after you identify uh, your inaccurate thinking patterns, really the next step is to try and change them to be more accurate and truthful thoughts. Now, that can sometimes be tough. You can you can try a number of different uh, ideas here, but there's some questions that you can use to challenge those inaccurate thoughts. You know, I, I go to is this an all or nothing thought? How many times in my life have mm. I thought, oh, you know, always, you know, is, was this all or nothing thought? Well, guess what? The reality is, no, it wasn't an all or nothing. And maybe that situation was 0.03% of my day. And I thought it was the entire day. So, so. Classic example. We we had the grandkids over this weekend. Uh, Mom took a, uh, a a a a friend's trip to California to go to Disneyland, and so we were, and 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 Dad had a lot of things to do with work and uh, around the house, and so we volunteered to uh, take the kids. It was interesting watching a five, a three, and a two-year-old uh, interact, recognizing that they already see some of these same things. We and I'm not going to name names or I'm not going to identify which one, but one of them was constantly coming to us and saying that their little sister was a bully and that uh, everything that she was doing was 
tormenting her and pulling her hair and doing all these different things. Well, and, the reality was. Was what? At times, she was a bully. But not every single. But she, not, in, her, in her in her mind, not, she is always a bully. She's she's not helping me. She's doing all these things. Exactly, but not a hundred percent of the time. And so I, I loved what you did one time. You you sat down with this grandchild and talked about the wonderful things that uh, her siblings did for her. And so we we talked about. Uh, we talked about that a little bit and, and, you know, we, we just have to be careful that we don't create inaccurate thinking patterns. Uh, you know, let's, let's think about some other ideas here. Uh, does thinking this way help me or hurt me? Uh, how do you feel when you have this thought, you know, what do I know about myself and others that tell me that this perception that this grandchild had is not 100% true. Or can I even say to turn it in on us? And, you know, we need to to have that perspective and that strength to challenge those thinking errors. I guess what I'm really saying, Annette, is that uh, sometimes we excuse our poor behavior and our inaction to behaviors that are not 100% true based on what someone else may or may not have done. It's never my fault. You know, it's it's the boss's fault. You know, I, I, I come home upset. I'm, I'm upset because traffic was bad. You know, we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow external factors to get into our internal thoughts. Exactly. And it's just being willing to, to look to be still with those thinking patterns, those feelings, those responses, you know, all that's going on. It's a new way of practicing something that's, you know, not familiar because we've gone through this. This is a pattern that we've had of thinking throughout our entire lives, probably. And, and we're asking you to do something a little bit different. That's going to feel a little uncomfortable and that's okay. And practice might not necessarily mean that everything's going to be perfect. What do we often say? Practice makes perfect. It rarely does. And so what we have to do, but we have to practice and we have to practice and practice until our thoughts, until our actions are appropriate. We, we started talking earlier and at about uh, how important this is, especially for parents. Mm-hmm. And how we have to really be careful that uh, we don't, Bring in thinking errors. You know, for example, uh, what if what if I told you that one of our children always lies to me? Now, how would you treat that child? That child. Well, that child that's gonna. There's always going to be a thought of what really is the truth. Well, let's let's think about. There's two sides to that. One is believing in that thinking error, right? And the other was creating more of an accurate thought. And oh, uh, yes, yes. And, and so when we believe in that thinking error, what we what might we think about that child? You know, there's just frustration. I'll never be able to trust him again. Um, that lack of integrity, and he probably won't get into college or go on, you know, be able to be successful in life. He'll never learn to be trustworthy. I mean, that is if I have this inaccurate thinking pattern. So, so let's change that inaccurate thinking pattern 
to a more accurate thought. Well, he's usually honest. Right, right. You know, and I, I, and I, and I can even say I love him and I believe in his potential. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, God wants me to use this as an opportunity to teach him to be honest. Right. Okay, so you, we're getting it. We're getting it here. And so instead of believing that thinking error, which can be very critical, not only in the way that we perceive others, but the way that they perceive themselves after we've had that conversation, especially with a child, we can create those more accurate thoughts. Now, we don't have to sugarcoat it. In fact, we're not trying to sugarcoat it. We need to make sure they understand the importance of being honest. But we don't have to place them in a category of always being dishonest. Right. And the thing too with this is as we as we live and and our lives in this this pattern of healthy thinking it naturally will m- mirror in our children's and how they react to different things because as we share with them, you know, experiences and and our experiences, you know, I used to think that, you know, every time this happened, that that meant this about me. And as we teach and share and are more vulnerable with our children, you know how much further ahead they're going to be than us because they're learning this and they're not going to believe these inaccurate thoughts their entire life. Positiveness versus negativity. Now, we would encourage you to, to stop and pause for a moment. And uh, consider those thinking errors that you have in your life right now. As we've discussed, consider the thinking error and then evaluate and choose. Is this a thinking error that I believe or can I create a more accurate thought with regards to that? Well, Annette, we need to finish up our conversation here. This, this has gone, you know, this, this hour has gone quickly. It has, but I have one thought here. Can you imagine if we would have used this pattern with our children when they were young? Maybe more you, often, more often, you know, but maybe one of them came and said, you know, this brother's always, you know, just like the example with our grandchildren, he did this, this, and this to me. And you know what? We could just sit yeah, down. Now let's look at this. Is it really, you know, do you believe in this thinking error? Or is this a little more accurate? Not discounting that they, that yeah, you know, maybe he did do something that that wasn't quite right or, you know, that he bullied me or whatever the case. But if we help them evaluate that pattern, then you honor them in thoughts and coming to you and talking to you, but then you actually teach them a correct principle about this healthy I pattern like, of thinking. I, I like that, Annette, because not only are we creating more healthy thinking patterns with ourselves, but we're teaching that to those that uh, that uh, we had those uh, thinking errors with. So we're modeling it. So as we as we finish up our conversation today, Annette's been referring a few times throughout uh, the last hour about the importance of of uh, really changing and practicing. And how do we practice when it comes to changing our thinking patterns? For me, when I, 
this was difficult for me to do. And it took time and it took effort um, and it took patience. You know, it's something that we have to, to just allow ourselves to learn and relearn the accurate thoughts. So really creating more accurate thoughts. This, this is really the crux of what we're talking about today. As you create more accurate thoughts, this will help your confidence grow as you see yourselves and others in a much more healthy way. But it start, it's got to start with you. It's, it's got to be something that uh, you create that healthy atmosphere before others begin to see it as well. You know, we've, we've talked. We, we know when we're having good days and we know when we're having off days. And the way that uh, we deal with life really allows us to help others to change their mindset as well that uh, we, we, we saw a couple today as we walked into church. And, oh, that you, you could cut the, uh, the tension with, with a knife. It was, uh, you, you could tell that there was something wrong. It, and there it was, um, it, it, my heart broke for him, though, too, at the same time, as I was like, oh, you know, but what, what's happened that, they need to, you know, that they needed this, this hope and this freedom and this peace that comes with a better understanding. You know, I love the scripture found in John and um, it's John chapter eight, verse 32, where it says, you know, that your thoughts will make us free. And, and I've thought about previous to my understanding this and the healing journey that I've been on, that these inaccurate thoughts that I had about myself and these all or nothing situations and things like that, I felt like I was in bondage. I felt like it, it limited when my worth, my understanding and my ability and my purpose in life. And when I had a more accurate thoughts and, and the understanding. My confidence grew. I understood more of God's love for me and my purpose. Hmm, love that. You know, there was, there was a man by the name of uh, Boyd K. Packer that, that uh, used to share this thought. And, and I think it's uh, so true. He, he talked about uh, doctrine, but you could change it to thinking patterns as well. He said true doctrine, or in this case, true thinking better patterns, well-defined changes attitudes and behaviors. And, and that's what uh, this course is all about, is uh, understanding ideas that will change not only your ideas, but also your behaviors and allow you to find joy and happiness in a sometimes difficult world. So friends, with that, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of Trail Angels and Karen the Load community. Each of us have a story to share. As we've learned here today, our stories are beautiful and, and defining. But oftentimes, those internal thoughts and feelings and messages and the thinking isn't 
as accurate as we'd hoped it would be. Please be willing to take the time, take the challenge to, to really look and to learn and to develop healthy thinking patterns in your life. And to see things as they truly are, not as a way that we sometimes perceive them.